So we're in the middle of our Amped Up series, um, which I, I, I've just loved. I don't know about you guys. I've just so enjoyed uh, this series. Right now, we've been in the move portion of it all. And uh, don't you know that God wants to move us, right? He wants to move us spiritually from one place to another place. And two weeks ago, we talked about how he wants to move us towards wisdom, right? We don't want to be fools, but we want to be wise in God and wise in his wisdom. Last week, we talked about moving toward healthy emotions, especially in the emotion of our anger. By the way, anyone able to put that into practice this last week? Yeah, I know I did. Absolutely. Did you know that's actually what you're supposed to do? (laughs) We're not supposed to hear the word, right? James 1 tells us not just to hear the word, but to actually do what it says. This week is all about community, how to move toward a healthy community. My prayer is that it would be challenging, that it would make us a little uncomfortable, that you might feel like the AC is even broken. Because I believe that God wants us to move closer to living the life that God has designed for us to live. It's time to go. Press the green button. In fact, look at what our cool electrician Colby Ferris did. He, come on now, isn't that awesome? So it's time to go. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Acts chapter 2. Got to be one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And we're going to start at verse 42. Now this comes right after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is poured out. And these are the first days of the church. I would say it's probably important for us to pay attention to how they operated, how they handled themselves. So listen up. This is what... The Bible tells us they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. Passages like that get me so excited. Talk about getting amped up. That is godly Holy, Holy Spirit-led community. It's what we desire for here at LifeSpring. And this morning, I pray that by God's help, we would be able to move closer to that design for this community. But before we go any further, would you bow your heads with me as I pray? Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for today. I am just so happy to be here for who you are in my life and what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do in each one of us. We pray that you would bring us closer together, Lord, as a family, as a community. Show us through your word what it means to live in a biblical community based solely on your son, Jesus Christ. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. So when you think about your day, you're in several communities, right? We got our work community. If you go to school, you have your school community. In your family, you got a community. In your neighborhood, you have a community. And communities in and of themselves, you know, they, they can be good, right? Or they can be bad. They can be healthy. They can be unhealthy. Anyone ever been a part of an unhealthy community? Right? Absolutely. And by the way, all communities can be unhealthy, including church. Just because we're a church, just because we sing 
nice songs and listen to good sermons doesn't mean we're a part of a healthy community. I've seen that lots of churches that look really good on the outside and yet the fellowship and those interpersonal relationships are dysfunctional at best. And every church is susceptible to that. But I, me, Dan Bursch, I, I want to engage in a healthy community. And I believe that God, did you know he actually wants to help us? And so as I was reading that passage, you know, verse 42, several things came to mind of what a healthy community would look like. And I just want to share a couple of those today. So number one, a healthy church community does life together. It's so obvious through that passage. A healthy church community does life together. Remember, it says they sold property, they sold uh, and possessions, they gave to anyone who had need. They, they, every day, every day they met together, they broke bread in their homes and they ate together. They did life together. In a life spring, we know that one of the best ways to do life together is in our life groups. You know, that's why you call them a life group, because you actually do life in the group. <laughs> I love life groups. I, I, I love clever titles like that, isn't it? Isn't that fun? Genius. But I love life groups. I love seeing people in the life groups and how they look out for each other, how they care for each other. Needs are met. Requests are filled. All in the context of a group of people coming together, living together in the Lord. And the communities and the relationships that are built in a life group, they can become very strong. One of my favorite parts about a life group is that you actually begin to get to know people at a deeper level. Don't you know that you can go to church, like literally Sunday morning, for the rest of your life, all of your life, and never get to know people at a deeper level? Right? But in a life group, there's this opportunity, not a guarantee, but there's an opportunity to get to know each other at a deeper level. You get to know each other. And when you get to know each other, sometimes you discover things about the other person that are actually kind of messy. Have you noticed that as well? In fact, when you get to know them, you might not even like who they are. Me? Come on. When I get to, I'm like, I don't know if I want to know that about you. Let's be honest. Stop being so churchy on me. It's true. Because we're kind of messy. But then a life group. Praise the Lord, it gives you an opportunity to actually be a Christian, right? To actually get to know someone in their mess, in their dysfunction, in their hurts, in their pain, and to love them. To be gracious toward them. To be slow in anger, rich in mercy, compassionate toward them. It's so easy to love somebody when you're just hanging out on a Sunday morning, right? It goes, hey, how are you, Randy? And Randy goes, I'm good. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Hey, high five. Boom, 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 boom. Right? That's easy. But that's not the love of God. I mean, we, can, we don't have to be Christians to interact that way with one another. No, it's when the person tells you that they've had an affair. Or when they open up that they've made a serious error in judgment. Or when you find out that they are a huge hypocrite. Ah, that's when the love of God is on display. When you hear and you see the worst of people... And yet, by the Holy Spirit, you show them love. You show them kindness. And that's when a community truly begins to be developed and a strong bond is formed. If you've ever been a part of a group like this, you know that there is this strength, a strong bond that is found in this community. And, and it's found in one person. Who, who's that strength found in? Who's, who's the person that the, the strength is found in? Jesus. Absolutely. We know that as you break bread together, as you share together, as you laugh and you cry together... As you pray together, as you ask for forgiveness and you actually forgive each other, you are creating an environment that welcomes his presence, that welcomes Jesus. 
That's what makes a life group different than any other social club or any other get together. God is actually there. Jesus is actually there. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three gather in my name. What? There am I with them. So Jesus, he's there bringing his strength, his unity, and you become to, to, to be able to witness this healthy church community that comes together truly as you do life together. Number two, a healthy church community, they serve each other. Serve each other. Serving is a vital part of the Christian faith journey. I love this quote by T.W. Manson. He says, in the kingdom of God, service is not a stepping stone to nobility. So it's not your way to get to the top. He says, no, service, it is nobility. The only kind of nobility that is recognized. Jesus sets the example for us. Mark 10, verse 40, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but what? He came to serve. Philippians 2 says, in your relationships with one another. By the way, he's talking to us. So in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Did you see that in our relationships with one another? We are to have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. We must follow his example. We must do what he did. And he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And he served out of his great love for who for the father and for us and we need to do the same we need to do the same and as we serve one another in love we grow in love serving can get all messed up right serving isn't just an opportunity to get a bunch of tasks completed do your little check off on your spiritual to-do list trying to earn favor with god or get into heaven right doing your good deeds your good service to get to god no see serving it isn't to earn favor with god but it flows from the fact that we already have favor with God, right? Serving in a life of service. It's just the overflow. It's one of the byproducts of knowing that we are loved and we are accepted by God. Serving, it begins to flow. And as we serve, we begin to grow in the love and we begin, as Philippians just said in chapter 2, we have the same mindset as our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. And serving, it isn't confined to just what you do here at LifeSpring. Sometimes we get stuck in that mode as Christians that if we're to serve, that it's going to be only in the four walls of the church building. Service goes way beyond Sunday mornings. It's a way of life. If you want to make a difference in that workplace community or in that family community or in that school community, here's one for you. Serve. Serve those around you. Go out of your way to bless others. Get tired and sore for the needs of others. Serve others as if you were serving the Lord. Here's the deal. When I, think, when I hear about some of your jobs, you guys have some seriously difficult jobs. And then you start telling me about your bosses. And you got some pain in the neck bosses and co-workers. But the Bible instructs you to get in there and serve whatever you do. The Bible tells us the Colossians, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Recently, I've seen so many examples of this. I love being a part of this church. Last month, a group from our church made care packages 
It included food and water and a Bible. And they walked through Tacoma, handing these packages out to some of the homeless population there. They talked with them. They prayed with them. We have a ministry now that opens up the local laundromat from 6 to 8 p.m. once a month. And, and they pay for the people's laundry. I love that we do that. And we're able to just encourage people and give them worth and dignity and just bless them and say, you are God's creation. You are of value. We have a reading buddies program where kids uh, go to the local senior uh, senior living facility. So the senior citizens and our kids, they read books together. Did you know that we do that? We do that once a month. In fact, if you want to be a part of that this Wednesday night, we're heading over to the uh, to the senior uh, living area. And you can bring your kids or you can just come and we read together books to encourage one another. Just this past week, like you were just talking about VBS. VBS, to tell kids, what do we tell them? That God is wild about them. But then serving, it isn't just about outside the community. Serving happens in here as well. You serve one another. Serve one another. And one of the best ways you can serve one another, by the way, sometimes we get so stressed about serving one another. One of the best ways you can do this is to pray for one another. Pray for one another. You know, my brother, he was having a stressful week this week. And I, I texted him. I said, hey, how can I help? I love his response. He goes, I just need you to pray for me. And I can do that. I can pray for him. Because the thing about prayer, I love this about prayer. Prayer gets our eyes off of ourselves and onto somebody else. Last weekend, there was a girl here and she needed prayer. I, she didn't say it, but I, I could tell. And, and there was a pain that she had. And I just went up. I prayed for her. Texted me that night that she was healed. The pain was gone. Church, that is our privilege as brothers and sisters in Christ, our privilege and our honor to be able to serve one another by praying for one another. And I'm, I'm always so encouraged in this church as I see the prayer happening in the sanctuary, in the lobby, in the parking lot. I, I love that about our church. It's a powerful example to me of what church needs to look like. You want to cure. By the way, this is a great tip for you right now. You want to cure your grumpiness or your irritation that you have towards everyone around you. Ask the Lord. If there might be someone that he wants you to pray for and then go pray for them. In fact, if there's a specific person that you're grumpy or irritated about, start asking the Lord if there's something for that person that you could be praying for. And don't just say, I'll be praying for that person. Go to that person and say, may I pray for you? Amen. Amen. That, that's so good for me because I'm just like you. I get the same emotions you get. But then the Lord starts bringing up things about that person, right? We talked about last week that we wouldn't be tearing down, but we'd be building up. Remember that? That we'd actually be building up one another, encouraging one another. Because, man, I get mad with the rest of you. I, oh, man, you want to see me just rise up? Absolutely. But then the Lord, I just begin to pray. Lord, reveal that person's heart. Reveal the beauty of that person. How do I need to be praying for that person? And then go, hey, can I pray for you? Hallelujah. And then with prayer... Serving one another, this is true as well. It's giving our time. <laughs> Didn't you know serving, it takes some time. It's kind of inconvenient. There's no way around it. Blessing others takes time. I don't really have time to bless others, right? I'm, I'm a busy guy. But it takes time. You were saying that about how volunteers make it all run. Yeah. And it's not like you were just sitting around going, well, I have nothing better to do. I guess I'll... Do something at the church. No, it costs you something, didn't it? It costs you something. We have amazing examples of this in our church. I, I love seeing you help each other. Encourage one another. Take the time to love one another. 
It's like we have our own professional moving company here at the church. The way that you guys help each other when you guys are moving. I, I love the meals that you guys are preparing for one another. Just incredible. I remember when we had our child, the meals were good. They actually tasted good. So I've seen you give. Not just your time, by the way. I've seen you give your money. <laughs> Serving one another actually costs some money sometimes. Money is powerful, by the way. Give. Give your money. And again, so many stories in this church of others just giving, financially giving to each other to encourage one another, to help one another. I know I've been blessed by you and others have been blessed by each other as you give. So giving, 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 giving. Look at that passage. If you could put Acts 2.42 up again, Dave. Just look at this passage. Just look at it. It's giving, 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 giving. Oh, they're still giving. <laughs> yep, giving. Giving. That's, that's a different attitude than we have sometimes, right? Mm. So if life is about you, which we all get stuck in that sometimes. When life is about you, what do you do? You hoard, you collect, you can never have enough. It's definitely not that passage, right? When life is about God and others, you give. And you give. From a gratitude and appreciation of all that God is and has done in your life, you give. You begin to see people as God sees them. You begin to give them compassion as God gives them compassion. You help people in their need and you give. And with that kind of spirit, with this kind of spirit, a beautiful community is born. But it doesn't always happen, right? Let's take me, for example. Dan Burst Exhibit A. When I am not reading my Bible, when I'm not consumed by the things of God, when I'm not worshiping him, when I'm not submitting to him, surrendering my life to his will, when I'm not engaged in healthy community, life quickly becomes all about me. Not about loving God, certainly not about loving you, right? Come on now. This is about me. It revolves around me, my issues, my problems, my wants, my desires, my frustrations, who or what annoys me, who or what angers me, what makes me happy, what makes me sad. It's about me, my life, self-divinity, where I am God, hallowed be my name and my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you've ever lived like that, you know it is the most unhealthy and dangerous way to live. That way of living will be a cancer to your soul. When you're living that way, you are continually trying to find the answer to your problems and meet your needs. All of your effort, all of your energy is spent on who? On you. And we're consumed by our issues, our problems, our happiness, all those things. Well, if you live a life where it's all about you and your needs, here's the reality. You're not going to be a very giving person, right? Because you've already convinced yourself that you are lacking. So if I'm lacking, why would I give anything to anybody else when I'm still complaining about not having enough for myself? It's true. Why would I give anything to anybody else when I feel like I'm lacking myself? And of course, we think the solution to our unhappiness, by the way, is what? More money. Right? If only I had some more money. But Jesus says something completely different. He says the opposite to the rich young ruler. He says, go sell everything you have. Give to the poor. And you have treasure in heaven. Luke 12, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I'm not telling you not to have money. Have money. You can do a whole lot of good with money. I want every one of you to prosper in all areas of your life, including finances. But I want you to understand the point. When your eyes are on yourself and on your own issues, you will live with the mindset and the attitude of not having enough, of always needing more. 
But when you allow the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, actually look around to the people around you, the harvest of people that God wants you to reach for his kingdom, then you will become someone who understands Jesus' word that is more blessed to give than it is to receive. A healthy Christian gives. A healthy community gives. And I love that we have a giving community here at LifeSpring. Personally, just you know, I've always wanted to live in a giving community. That always kind of got me excited to think about being in a community like that where we give. Do you know Ghana? We've almost raised thirty thousand dollars for Ghana. We're getting there. We're we're maybe five hundred thousand dollars short of our goal right now for Ghana. That's amazing. Those first two weeks, remember, we were going to do that one crusade in those first two weeks. We're now going to do four crusades in those first two weeks. Hallelujah. Amen. So I just want to thank you, church. Can we just celebrate the Lord for that? Celebrate the Lord. Amen. This is a giving church. You don't just give your money, like I was saying earlier. You give your time. You give your energy. You give your best efforts. And when you give out of, I see it in you. You give out of your joy. You give as cheerful givers. And I want to encourage you to keep it going. Keep it going. And, And I know that sometimes the person sitting next to you can be a little bit discouraging. Even kind of depressing. But here's the deal. I've walked this. Sometimes we allow that negativity of the person next to you to kind of keep you from giving. Right? Well, they're not doing anything. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Well, they're not serving. Why should I? Right? Can you imagine if Jesus would have just come in and he had to... Just kind of waited for everyone else to start loving other people and start giving. Can you imagine? Nothing would have ever happened. It's time for us as Christians to rise up, to set the bar, to set the example. Give. In fact, give of your time, your resources. In fact, to bless that grumpy, bitter person that's sitting next to you. You don't let that person take you down. No, you kill him with kindness. Proverbs 25 talks about it. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And if that person, is that person to your left or right your enemy? No. And if they are, you need to come up and we'll talk about it. Probably not. So get rid of the excuses. You love them. You bless them. You give to them and you serve them. It's what a community of God does. This is what happens as all of us listen to the Holy Spirit within us. And it's exciting as I see it here. At LifeSpring. For just a moment, though, let's get personal. I want you to get out that personal tape recorder, and I want you to rewind it all the way back to the beginning. This is your VHS tape of life. So there used to be this thing called a VHS. No, just... <laughs> so think about all the beginning. Like when you first went to church, and not our church, just like church in general. At the very beginning, when you first came to church. Now, this isn't true of everybody, but for a lot of us, there's a good chance that you didn't come to church so that you could do this, so that you could do life with others, so you could serve others and give to others. It wasn't so that you could be a part of even a Christian community, so you could love God and love others. No, that's not why most of us started coming to church, which is fine. 
But often, the first time we came to church, it was because of a personal crisis, right? Or a tragedy, or personal issues of loneliness, or depression, or you came as a couple, and you had marital issues, remember? And you were almost going to get a divorce, and you came to church hoping that maybe God could save your marriage. Or maybe you were just freaking out, and you're trying to make sense of all of this, and all the galaxies in the universe, and you're trying to find meaning in your life. Or maybe you were sick, right? And you were really sick, and you needed to find healing. Or maybe you came with an emptiness, and you thought that God could fill that emptiness, right? Fill that void. These are just some of the reasons that we come to church and that's fine but eventually you keep on going to church now a lot of people they come to church they didn't get the answer they were wanting and so you don't see them anymore they they just leave but for those of you that kept on coming you began to realize and this is positive by the way this is a negative thing you began to realize that church doesn't just exist to meet all of your needs Right? It's, it's not about me. We, for those of us that are here, we understand it. it's not about me. It's not just a big self-help warehouse to help me fix all of my problems so I can be happy. Right? Happy, happy, happy. No, no, no. As we grow in the Lord, as we connect to this body of believers, we do come to understand that God loves me. Hallelujah. God loves me. I mean, he really loves me. He has a plan for me. But his love for me and his plan for me actually involves me getting my eyes off of myself and reaching out beyond myself and my issues and my problems and actually beginning to have his concern, his love, his compassion for others, reaching the lost for his kingdom, loving those around me that God has placed in my life. We see this. Jesus expresses this truth in Matthew 22. Uh, There's an expert of the religious law. We might even call him a lawyer. And he asks Jesus a question. Verse 36. He says, teacher, I love this question, by the way. I would ask this question as well. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Like, I I just want to know, how how are we going to do this thing? How should I be living? What is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God. Love others. Love your neighbor. Don't move too quickly beyond that. Right? It's not just a cute saying that we teach our kids to try to get them to behave. Right? You better love God. Love others. Ava. Right? No, church. If we... If we could grasp this, this community would change in a day. I'm serious. This is it. This is the greatest commandment. If we truly embraced to love God and love others, this community would change in a day. Don't miss what he's saying. He says the greatest commandment that sums up all the law and all the prophets is this. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Most of the conflict that comes up in our life develops from our inability to live by this greatest commandment. I believe this. If you are living one big soap opera, you're probably struggling with either loving God or loving others. You're probably struggling in areas such as forgiveness. You're probably struggling in areas such as forgiving others. You're probably struggling showing graciousness towards others or kindness towards others. You're probably struggling in showing humility and patience Towards others. Because whether it's loving God or loving others in our flesh, human beings, we have a really hard time loving God and loving people. We just do, right? We struggle to interact with each other in ways that are seasoned with grace and mercy. In our flesh, when we're not walking by the Spirit of God, we lash out, right? We bite, we accuse, we slander, we become envious of each other, we judge. And yet, here's the deal if I went around this room and I said, hey, 
Do you love each other? Do you love the other people in this room? You'd probably say yes. But how often do your actions tell a different story? But we make excuses for our actions, right? For all those actions that aren't very loving. But Pastor Dan, you don't know what they said. Pastor Dan, you don't know what they did. Well, Scripture doesn't say love others only if they deserve it. (laughs) Scripture doesn't say only love people if they haven't done anything wrong. No. What does it say? It says love others. In fact, Jesus takes it one step further, doesn't he? He says, love who? Your enemies. They strike you on one cheek, offer them the other. So love God, love others. And by the way, those two go hand in hand. I've shared this before. But you can't love God and not love others. You will truly never be able to love others unless you first love God. You you need both of them. This is so important for us to understand. See, when when either one of those areas is out of balance in your life, you will be miserable as a Christian. You know that because maybe you've tried it before. If you're trying to love God, right? Oh, I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind and all my strength. But you have a tough time loving others. Your inability to love others, it will actually distort your relationship with God because God is love. And if you try to love others without loving God, so like a love, like a, just a community love, you know, kind of just, you know, give peace a chance, hand drum, kind of circle love. And it's just, we just love each other. But if you try to love each other without loving God, this love over here is going to lack supernatural power of God, right? It's a, it's a love that will eventually have sin just come in and corrupt it and, and explode the whole thing. You have to have a love relationship with God because that's where this love finds its power and its source is in a relationship with God. Does that make sense? You, the abundant life that God wants you to have, it can only exist in the context of loving God and loving others. Remember that parable of the sheep and the goats. I've read it before. I just love this uh, parable. Probably, number one, because it talks about animals and I love animals. But number two, I'm a big fan of Keith Green. Anybody remember who Keith Green was? And Keith Green, he has this song. He kind of just talks through it. And he shares the parable of the sheep and the goats. And um, I was just watching it on YouTube a couple of days ago. And it was just firing me up. I was like, I wonder if I could do that. I mean, if you watch it. Why is he just like, and he's like like sweating and the spit is flying up. It's really cool. Anyways, YouTube, check it out. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46. This is Jesus talking. He says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison? 
did not help you, he would reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I hope you see that. The sheep, by the way, you want to be a sheep. The sheep thought of the needs of others. They fed those who were hungry. They gave uh, those who were thirsty something to drink. They invited in the stranger. They gave clothes to those who were needing, needing clothes. They took care of the sick. They visited the prisoner. They loved God and they loved others. And by the way, as I read it, I almost, I, I, there's a poeticness to, to it all, right? Like you almost can hear a preacher from the 1900s really going for it, right? You know, and visit the prisoner and clothes for the needy. You just hear that. But sometimes because of that, because of the kind of cool poetic nature of it all, we kind of miss what he's actually saying. You know how easy it, or not easy it is to actually do what we're supposed to do as sheep? I mean, give the hungry something to eat, give the thirsty something to drink, but they're so needy. It's inconvenient. It's going to take some time. And my time is valuable. Invite the stranger in. They're a stranger. Why would I invite a stranger in? I don't even know them. I give clothes to someone who needs clothes. Well, the reason they need clothes is probably because they're smelly or they're stinky or they're naked. Why would I want to do that? Or visit someone that's sick. Um, have you ever had someone around you that's sick? You don't want to hang out. You're like, I don't want to get sick. Ah, you know, like, I'll pray for you over here. Like, they're sick. Or the prisoner. What happens when you think about visiting the prisoner? When I think about someone in prison, what's the first thing I think about? What did they do? Right? Why are they in prison? I'm not going to visit the prisoner. I mean, if you're really honest, you won't even visit that person that goes to your church. Because you're still mad at what they said or what they did. If you can't even visit your brother or sister in Christ, no way you're going to be visiting a prisoner. But yet, this is what sheep do. And you're a Christian. And as a Christian, guess what? You're a sheep. And as a bunch of sheep, as we love God and love others, we begin to get our eyes off of ourselves, onto others, and then a change begins to happen. Hallelujah for the change. I know what's happened to me. Anybody been changed by the Lord in this room? Praise the Lord. Every hand should be up because the Lord changes. And what does he change? He changes our heart. He moves us. The Lord moves us to what would move the Lord, which is compassion. Right. He gives us a compassion for others. He fills us and moves us towards grace and towards mercy and forgiveness. And as you walk humbly with your God, he gives you a heart for others. He changes that heart of stone that Ezekiel talks about and then replaces it with a heart that is alive. Instead of putting down those who are in need, you extend the love of God to them. You build them up. You encourage them. You act like sheep bah, instead of goats. That was really good, by the way. I went to the King County Fair yesterday. I took some notes. but So Galatians 5. My favorite verse in the whole Bible. Galatians 5. Some powerful instruction on what this should look like. Galatians 5.13 actually is my favorite verse. You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Hallelujah, right? You and I, we were called to be free. Don't use that freedom to indulge in the flesh. He later tells you what that means. He, he gives a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. If, if you got one, just kind of check it off. Like, yeah, that's me. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Don't do that. Don't indulge in the flesh. Rather, what? Serve one another 
humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Would you say it with me? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. Have you not seen that happen again and again? Watch out. You will be destroyed by one another. And then he goes on to say, so you walk by the spirit and you will not gratify those desires of the flesh. Walk by the spirit. And later on, Paul says, if you walk by the spirit, you will see the fruit of the spirit produced in your life through the spirit. What's that? Well, here it is. Fruit of the spirit. It's this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. I remember my dad talking to me about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and, he, and he said, Danny, and he's the only one that calls me Danny, so don't call me Danny. Danny, he said, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is found, it's a fruit that is found always in the context of relationship. He's trying to explain it to me. It's found in the context of relationship in our community. The fruit of the Spirit is not expressed in isolation by ourselves. So what he was trying to say is you can't go into the closet and be by yourself and express the fruit of the Spirit. This is important. Pay attention. Because so many of us, we just want to bail, right? We want to bail on church, bail on community, bail on the body of Christ. But my dad is telling me, Danny, you need to stay in. You need to stick with it. No bailing. Because the fruit of the Spirit is always found in the context of what? Of community. Right? That as I use my freedom in Christ, so I'm free to go in the closet, but freedom in Christ, as Galatians 5.13 says, not to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. But as I do that, you would actually see evident in me that Adam, I hang out a lot with Adam, but that Adam would see in context of relationship and community, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I want you to get this. See, the fruit of the Spirit is not a self-help tool. It's for others. It'll change your life if you stop thinking that the fruit of the Spirit is all about you. It is for others. The Holy Spirit gives you the ability to love God, love others as yourself. It produces fruit in your life for others. As life, at life spring, as we learn to live by the Spirit, allow the fruit of the Spirit to be developed, our community it will only grow stronger and healthier. As we serve one another humbly in love by the Spirit of God, we will see love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I believe they would become the defining characteristics of who we are. Now, we're still human. We still mess up from time to time. But, you know, even in the last couple of weeks, I've seen people who have flat out done wrong, but they've asked for forgiveness. And I've seen those people who have been wronged actually forgive. What a concept. Actually being a Christian. <laughs> Actually being somebody who asks for forgiveness and also being somebody who forgives. The Bible is not vague in this area. Church is not one of those that you have to try to decipher. The Bible instructs you. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Tattoo that. Would you say this with me? Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now in our flesh, 
and Satan himself, he will try to draw you away from forgiving others. Don't you know that? From being kind and tender-hearted and all those things. He, he's going to try to get you to not overlook the transgressions of others like we talked about last week. Satan, he is not a fan of the fruit of the Spirit. So Satan, he is opposed to this life. He's opposed to that fruit. And so he throws at us all that he can throw at us. So what does he throw at us? Well, he's the father of lies. So what is he? he throws lies at us. He throws deception at us. He tries to get our eyes back onto ourselves. He tries to get us in that closet in isolation where it's all about me, 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 me. I'm not being treated right. I'm not being treated like a God. It's not fair. I deserve better, right? And so we live with this attitude of the flesh and we let the bitterness grow. Let it grow. But then the Bible instructs us, let all bitterness and wrath and anger. He's talking to me. He's talking to you. And clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. But you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. Well, this isn't about them. We got to stop using everyone around us as excuses for living unchristian like, unloving lives. This is about you. You let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away with you along with all malice. All malice, you know what that means? It just means you're having ill will towards another person. Anyone sitting here right now having ill will towards another person? Let it go. Let all bitterness, Pastor Dan, and wrath, Pastor Dan, and anger, Pastor Dan, and clamor and slander, Pastor Dan, be put away from you, Pastor Dan, along with all that ill will that you feel towards other people. Let it go. You, Pastor Dan, love God and love others. And you'll begin to experience the abundant, joy-filled, eternal life that Jesus has promised you. And you'll begin to experience LifeSpring Church, a real community. If you see dysfunction around you, and you will, if you are living in an unhealthy community, and there will be times when you will, well, then let the health begin with you. And if you're a healthy person, by the way, we need you. Don't bail. We need you. Don't feed into that. Don't add fuel to the fire. No, you be the one that is kind. You be the one that is tenderhearted. You be the one that forgives others as God in Christ has forgiven you. Love God, love the Holy Spirit, or love people and allow the Holy Spirit to produce in you good fruit. I'm going to ask Joe and the worship team to come on up. And during this time, I want to invite us to pray. And I'd love for us to use this time to ask the Lord to reveal the person or the people that he might be calling you to forgive today, to love today, to not be negative toward, but instead be a blessing to today. There are so many hurting and needy people around you. They don't need you to judge them. They need you to love them, to be gracious toward them. And my prayer this morning is that God might lead you, you, Christian brother and sister in Christ that might lead you to reach out in health, reach out and to show them his love. Some of us, we just need to flat out repent, right? God, I'm sorry, right? It's just in your spirit, you know, you're out of line and you need to confess that. You need to confess your bitterness, confess your jealousy, confess your anger that you have towards another person. You need the Lord to help you. To show you once again how to forgive and how to love. More than anything, we need our lives to come underneath his authority. And once again, have scripture lead us and guide us to do what we've been called to do. To obey the greatest commandment. 
I do this and you do it. We make all these rules and standards and requirements that we think sound godly. We think they sound like something that God would want us to do. But Jesus, he's already set the standard. The standard is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And what? Love others. That's the greatest commandment. And Lord, I do pray. Lord, I do pray. Speak to us. Lord, I do pray. Speak to us. Even now, Lord. Speak to us your love. Speak to us, Lord, your love. Open my eyes, Lord. Open my ears. Open my heart. I want to see you, Jesus. I want to hear you, Jesus. I want to walk with you, Jesus. I'm tired of being self-absorbed and having my eyes on myself and stuck on myself. I want to be poured out for you, Jesus. I want to experience real community. Acts chapter 2, community, where we are living life together. We are serving one another, giving our time, energy, and resources to encourage and bless one another. Help us, Lord, today. Help us grow in this, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, God. We get so off track, but forgive us. Forgive us and let us forgive others as we have been forgiven. And produce in us that fruit. That fruit that isn't just for ourselves, but that fruit that is found and expressed in the beauty of relationship. In the beauty of the mess. In the beauty of the junk. When you express your fruit, Lord, there's a beauty to that. Help me, Lord. Help me. Some of you just need to say, help me, God. On my own, I'm just missing the mark. On my own, in my emotions, and my attitude, I'm just missing the mark. God, I need you to help me, Lord. Teach me, God, how to do this thing you call life. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, God. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, God. Lord, just begin to reveal people to us, Lord. The ill will, the malice that we have towards one another. Just begin to reveal those people to us. Soften our hearts, Lord. We want to be tender-hearted. There's no tenderness in that relationship. Because we just think about all the things that they've done wrong. But let us be the first one to rise up in health and spiritual maturity and be tender-hearted. Let us forgive, Lord, as we've been forgiven. Let us be reminded of what you did for us on the cross. The overwhelming forgiveness of our sins. And let that overflow in our lives as we treat one another in love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. God, just begin to reveal that person. Reveal to us even next steps. There's somebody that we just need to go to and say, I'm sorry. This is what I've done and I'm sorry. And maybe you're going to have someone come to you and say, I'm sorry or would you forgive me? And in Christ Jesus, you're going to say... I forgive you. You're going to say, I forgive you. Something that we can never say in our flesh, by the way. It's so hard to say, I forgive you in our flesh. But by the Spirit of God residing within us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, we can say with our mouths, I forgive you. I forgive you. Lord, I pray for that in this place. And we know that where there is forgiveness, there is freedom. And just a freedom would break out in this place, Lord. A freedom to love. A freedom to love, to embrace, to care for one another, to give towards one another, to serve one another. Just a freedom to smile at one another, to talk with one another, to support one another. Just a freedom would rise up in this community, Lord. Let this community here, Lord, LifeSpring, be the example to the world of what a loving, healthy, godly community looks like. Let it be, Lord. Let it be, Lord. Let it be, Lord. More of you, God. More of your spirit. Let it be, God. 
Let it be, Lord. Let it be, God. Let it be, Lord.